turn to, to uh, we forgot to pray for the kids. Jesus, bless the kids as they go. Teach them and lead them. Because apparently we're not very good at it. We need you. So, um, uh, we're going to start by praying Psalm 129 today. Uh, but I'll say this as we get into it. We're praying the prayer of a traveler. This is, these are called the Psalms of Ascent, the Psalms of a Pilgrim, some Bible translations say. But this is a, a, a prayer of someone who's not yet home, who's just who's traveling. Their home, uh, like ours, is with God. And so um, we get to long to be with God as the prayer of this prayer's longs to be with God. And the traveler, um, the traveler knew something. And I want us to pray this in this way. The traveler knew that God was listening. That God was listening to our prayers. And I pray that we may pray this with the same faith. That God is with us. That Jesus can and does hear us. That as we pray, we're not just putting words out into air. But we can pray with the boldness that Jesus will answer our prayers. And so with that, will you guys stand with me? And will you read? You're going to read the, bold, the bolded sections. And then I will read the unbolded sections. Psalm 129, a song of ascent. Let Israel now say, Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. Yet they have not prevailed against me. The flowers plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows. The Lord is righteous. He has cut the cords of the wicked. May all who hate Zion be put to shame and turned backward. Let them be like the grass on the housetops, which withers before it grows up, with which the reaper does not fill his hand, nor the binder of sheaves his arms, nor do those who pass by say, The blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys may be seated. There have been so many times in the Psalms where I, I get to the Psalm and I can't believe the timing of it. I can't believe that we're at this Psalm at this time in this week. I think of all the times like when Casey's come in and she's said, you know what? This is exactly what I needed to hear today. How many times? Like almost every, right? I mean, it's been, in, it's been incredible. And there have been multiple times when, when preaching, I've thought this psalm is perfect for the day. There have been many times, weeks in studies, when I get to the psalm, when I think, oh my gosh, this psalm fits perfectly with what God is doing in my own, in my family's life right now, and in the lives of others. And the reason I love this is, and I'm so blessed by it, because we can see that um, the prayers of these psalms getting worked into our lives, right? Like we've been in them a long time, and as we do, we can see them worked into our lives. Not just mine, but I know yours as well. We started this sermon series on the psalms in May of 2016. I was like, oh my gosh, we've been here a long time. And we're going to finish it up this year, but there's no way, there's no humanly way possible that I could have planned out the sermon, the sermons the way that they are. 
No way. Like the way that they're broken up with Easter and with Palm Sunday and with Advent. And then like when I go on vacation, I've been pretty selfish with the Psalms and somebody else will preach something else. And there's no way I could have mapped out that we would be this Psalm this week and it would fit into our life in such a way. No way that this could have happened. And it speaks to me uh, what we are hoping to get out of the Psalms. So we came to the Psalms, uh, and the, the subsection, what I call the Psalms, is Psalms, Prayers for Life. We came here to learn how to pray, but to, um, to also have longevity in Christ. Like, I knew this was going to be a long sermon series. I absolutely knew it. Or as Eugene Peterson puts it, he, he wrote a book about this section of the Psalms called The Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And that's the idea. Like we're having, we're taking this idea that it's going to take a long time to learn how to pray. And so we're just going to start with Psalm 1 and we're going to work our way through and see what God does. See, as we've called this prayers for life, see what he does in our life through, through this time. And it, um, and it partly, I think we called it prayers for life because I knew it would take a lifetime to preach. <laughs> like, although we're getting to the end of it, I hope that's not all my lifetime. I hope I have plenty more years to come, but we could say that this sermon series, um, it's been long-suffering at times. There's been times when I think everybody in the room, uh, maybe except for Casey, has said like, um, hey, can we do something other than the Psalms, right? <laughs> like, I think somebody's like, I'm looking forward to the Gospels, or I'm looking forward to something other than the Psalms. And, and so it's been long-sufferings at times, but this is what one step in front of the other looks like. Just plugging away. Like, we'll get to it. Lord willing, we'll have a lot of life left together and we can get to the Gospels and all this other good stuff. But we get to walk one step at a time, not worry about the timing that we have in life, but we'll leave that in God's hands and we just continue to walk with Him. When a psalm like this one comes up in a week like this, for me personally, I can't help but think that these prayers are not just me praying, not just me saying words, but also God speaking into my life and answering these, pra- answering these prayers that I've had. I've been praying the Psalms longer than I've been preaching them. And I have, I've tried to guess, I, I've never really tried to guess the meaning ahead of time. Like, hey, I wonder where we're going to be in Psalm whatever. Like, I've never tried to guess where we'll be. I've just simply prayed them. And then usually what happens during my week Usually Tuesday or Wednesday before the Sunday, I get to the prayer and see what it has for us as a group. I do this with prayer. I do this with fasting. I do this with looking and going, okay, what can we get from it? Not just me personally. And so I get to the Psalm. For example, like I don't, we're on Psalm 129 today. I don't know what Psalm 130 says. I've prayed it. I've read it. I'll read it and go, oh yeah, this is what it says. But as I start praying it to see what it's going to speak to us as a group, I've never done that with Psalm 130. And so we're just not there yet because I'm on this step, not the next step. But I believe, I firmly believe that next week God will speak to us through Psalm 130 and it'll be the perfect Psalm for that day. But I owe you guys a story today. And some of you have heard parts of it, but bear with me, okay? This is kind of, uh, I, I feel like I'm being a little bit vulnerable because this lets you into some of my crazy, all right? So you guys have your own crazy, I'd assume. But um, as many of you know, this last week I went to California. And it just so happens that um, 
Palm Springs was the closest airport to where I was supposed to be. It wasn't the closest, but it was the cheapest. So I flew there. And I like Palm Springs because right next to Palm Springs is Joshua Tree National Park, one of my favorite places in the world. It's beautiful. And, um, uh, and so uh, I went and I, um, I went and what does it say? Oh, I went down there and I was flying and I was supposed to stay with somebody's house actually like an hour away from the airport. But they called me up as I was on the way to the airport and said, hey, we both have the flu. You're welcome to come here. Um, but we have the flu. And so many of you guys know that I was like, thank you for telling me I am not coming to your house. Uh, I'm sorry that I flew all the way and I'm not going to be able to see you. So I slept in my rental car at Joshua Tree National Park. And when I say, I should say I slept in my rental car, I did bring a sleeping bag because I knew I was going to do that on Monday night, but I, I, I didn't sleep well at all. I, I fell asleep about uh, nine o'clock, uh, watching the stars, it was really cool, because the stars are so much, I mean, they're so bright. And then I um, woke up at three o'clock. And so I got in my car, and I used to live in Southern California, so I got in my car. I actually drove down to uh, Escondido, where I, I lived for three, three plus years, which was a long ways away, and traffic is really bad in California, oh my goodness. Um, and uh, I, I went down there and like, it was funny because I drove to this house I used to live in and I pulled up and I was like, huh, I'm just not the same guy. Like no emotion, no nothing. I don't know if it was just, I was tired or what, but I was just like, I don't even know the guy that lived here. Like I'm just so night and day different from that person. But when I used to live down in Southern California, there was this one very emotionally charged moment when I was driving and I felt God ask me to go to Joshua Tree. He asked me to go to Joshua Tree. I felt the Holy Spirit. I, I actually prayed, God, where do you want me to go? Because I don't know where to go. He said, go to Joshua Tree. So I did. I went and I went that drove these roads. And in that... God said that there's a wall in your life. This is, this is the crazy, okay? So just bear with me that there's a wall in your life. And if you ever want to get rid of this wall, you, and this wall, by the way, like it represented, it was blocking what God had for me. It was blocking, like, I feel like my destiny, you can use that word in life. And I know it sounds weird, but I felt like I needed to go to Joshua Tree if this wall was ever going to come down. So I did. I drove up there, and it was very normal, uh, well, normal for me when I was there. Nothing magical happened except for one moment, but, and I'll share that in a moment. But I did some hiking, and it was great, and I loved it. I just, I love Joshua Tree. Um, but, uh, and I, I know it sounds weird, but there have been moments since 2006 when, when that happened that have shown me that there's been a wall that's been there. That, that it, it's just been there. This wall is too big to get around, too tall to scale, too thick to break through, or too deep to dig underneath it. I was just supposed to walk one step at a time and know that God would take care of it all. Just one step at a time. So you know what? I did that. Just one step. I walked with Jesus, trusting that he would take care of the wall. And I knew that I had to go to Joshua Tree if I ever wanted to, that wall to be gone. And while I was there in 2006, I climbed Ryan Mountain. And this is the weird part. 
when I got to the top of that mountain, I looked out and in my mind, I could see this huge wall and it stretched the entire valley of Joshua Tree. And I could tell that I was like, I'm not even going down in that valley right now. It's just too big to get across. I couldn't do it. I could see it was huge. And I had no idea how this wall would come down or how I was supposed to get to the other side. So you know what I had to do? Just follow Jesus. Just follow Jesus. I say it like it's simple. It's not been simple at all. There have been many opportunities over the years to walk away from Jesus. There have been many trials and temptations. There have been many things that have made me question God in the midst of my life. Like, God, how could you if you're real? That sort of thing. I've had trials with people. Some of it, let's be honest, some of it I've brought upon myself. And some of them were just unjust trials, like we've all had. I've had, like I was thinking about this, one a, a huge trial for me. Um, I spent two months in Haiti, which was a huge trial. But then right after that, I got home and Hadassah was born and she was in the hospital for three months, which was very trying and very difficult. And, it, um, and there was times when I was like, God was like, are you going to trust me? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to. I've been certainly tempted to throw in the towel more than once. And there have been jobs that I've been dismissed from or forced out of. There have been homes where I thought I was going to plant my feet and live from forever only to find out that I had to move out. There have, uh, I, there's been a move across the country and back. There's been a death in my family and there's been grace and mercy. I'm talking about the church, not just God's grace and mercy. And it's been a while since I've felt this way, but there's been more than once when I've felt like thrown in the towel, calling it quits. Like you guys notice, there's not a ton of people here and there's new people. And there's just been tons of times when I've just been like, really God, this is what you have for me? And he's like, yes, just keep walking. Okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And time would permit me to tell you, tell you from all I felt like Mo, all Mo and I have gone through in the last number of years. But I've felt the presence of this wall in my life. I've even felt like maybe it's been a cage at certain times, like I'm just trapped. And I know all of you have your places where you felt like this too. Where you felt like this. It's not just me that's felt like this. This is my story, but at the same time, you have your own stories. And I know for all of you, you have your places and your times and people that have been tempting for you as well. So, on Sunday night, I slept at Joshua Tree this last week. I went to my friend Dan's mom's memorial service on Monday. And it was, it was actually very beautiful to hear about a life well lived with Jesus. Like, Half the people, it was the most diverse funeral I've ever been to. Every nationality it fe I felt like was there. It was amazing. But like a lot of the people are like, yeah, that person's a Christian because this is what Dan was telling me. That person's a Christian because mom went and visited them in prison. That person's a Christian because mom just prayed for them forever. And like the mom got saved, their daughters got saved, and then dad got saved, and their whole family line is shifted because of this woman's prayers. And she's an amazing woman, and I feel honored to be able to go down there and spend that time with my friend. But that afternoon, I went back to Joshua Tree, and I knew I was going to be there this night. But before I slept, I went for a six-mile hike. This is what I do. And I get out, I get about a mile into it, and it was a night hike, 
And I don't know why I do night hikes. They're super scary. I had an owl fly in front of my face for the second time in less than three months. And so I didn't know that owls could attack you. I appreciate that you love this story, Hadassah. Um, every, you know, if you've ever done a night hike, every noise is a coyote. Dual dependent or a cougar or whatever you are. Like every noise is something major that's going to attack you. And so, um, and this, this hike, I didn't know the way. It was supposed to be two miles, like there and back. Uh, I did the loop on accident. It was six miles. But I couldn't see anything, so I didn't know. I was just like, this is the sign. I'm just going to keep walking it. And so I don't know why that I do this. So on Monday night, I actually slept. Not very comfortably, but I did sleep. And I woke up Tuesday morning, super stiff, super sore, kind of cranky because I hadn't slept now for two days, but I wanted to go back to the top of Ryan Mountain. I wanted to go back to the top of it. I wanted to see, I wanted to stand on top of it and see if that wall was still there. And by the way, I went to Joshua Tree in 2017 with the family. It was 120 degrees out, so there's no way we were climbing Ryan Mountain with the kids. So I couldn't get up there to see. And so I wanted to see. On the way up the mountain, I felt zero emotion. Literally zero emotion. I was just like, okay, like I'm doing this. I was listening to an audio book. And I, I was actually listening to the book of Acts, which was helpful. And I was processing some of the things that the apostles were doing. And, and it, I was just exhausted. And I felt no emotion, but as soon as I got to the top, literally, it was, it was one of the more surreal moments in my life. As soon as I got up to the top, I broke down in tears. It was, it was like in an instant, I was reminded of all the things in my life that have been there to break me down, to tear me down, to take me away from Jesus. And you know what? Nothing has. Nothing has. I kept on yelling at the top of my lungs. I'm still standing. I'm still here. I'm still standing. And I was yelling at Satan. I was like, there's nothing you can do to take me from Jesus. Not a thing. You've tempted me and tried. And by grace, I'm still walking with Jesus. No event in my life. No harsh words that have spoken about me have taken me away from worshiping and following Jesus with all that I am. And this is nothing but His grace in my life. And when I looked up, I no longer saw that wall. You know what I saw instead? Christ. Jesus had been there the whole time saying, I love you. Keep walking. And I'm like, yeah, let's do that. Because that's what needed to be. There was not an there was no wall there, and I didn't actually see the real Jesus, but in my mind's eye, this is what it looked like. And in that moment, I had tears. I yelled. I told Satan all sorts of stuff that I can't repeat in church. You like bad uh, We'll get to that later, Doss. You asked me when we're at home. But, um, but I told him, in essence, nothing can take me from Jesus. There's no way you're as good as he is. I'm still standing with him because I know Jesus' plans for me are better than Satan's plans for me. And I was also singing. And for those of you who know me, this, this is like a modern day miracle in and of itself. Like all the weird stories about all this kind of stuff is normal for me. But I was dancing. I was dancing on the mountain. I was like carefree like a child, which I never, ever do. And, and then even in that moment, I was looking for water because I wanted to get baptized again. 
I was like looking, is there any water? I looked all around, There's, it's the desert, there was none. <laughs> there was none, it wasn't happening. And as I was singing and dancing, looking for water to be baptized again, I felt in that moment like I was brand new. Like I was brand new. Like I felt like, uh, and it was so surreal, and I wanted to, I wanted to sing Be Thou My Vision. So I looked on, I, I do have a smartphone, even though it's not my phone, and I have two versions of Be Thou My Vision on my iPhone, which both artists have publicly come out and said they're no longer following Jesus. The artists that I have on my phone. One of them, because they were hurt by Mars Hill Church, they walked away from Jesus, they said the church is corrupt, and I don't even know about this Jesus guy. And that spoke to me because I've been through some of what that person's been through with some of the same people and I'm still walking with Jesus. And then the other one was somebody who theologically had so many questions that have gone unanswered. And it's funny because I have a lot of the same theological questions that they have. And so because they went unanswered, they walked away from Jesus. I still have those. I feel like my faith is, is blinder, like I can't see as much. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to still walk with Jesus. So both versions of Be Thou My Vision had to play with people that walked away from Jesus. And I'm like, here I am standing on this mountain. The Holy Spirit says to me, you're still here. By my grace, you're still standing. Now keep following me. And I was in tears as I sung, Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Thou my inheritance now and always. Because in following Jesus, I haven't gotten very rich. I haven't gotten very much praise or accolades. But you know what I still have? Jesus. And that's enough. Now mind you, at this time, I didn't know what Psalm 129 said. I didn't know what this prayer was. When I got to my desk Wednesday morning, and I started to pray it, in verse 2, it says, Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. In other words, I'm still standing. I'm still standing. I'm still here. There is no humanly way possible that I could have planned that. None. To live a faith, life of faith is not always easy. Amen? We can say amen. That's why we have the Psalms when they're just prayed with difficulty. You know what? We have a real enemy that wants to kill and steal and destroy us. And we don't have uh, to live this life of faith perfectly. But you know what? We get to practice it. I haven't done it perfectly. Like some of the things that were tempted to pull me away were just my own desires and my own thing. But you know what? As a whole, we get to stick with this life for Jesus. We get to persevere it. We don't quit or give up when we don't get our way or when we don't have the answers that we want. You know what we get to do? Keep walking with Jesus. All the hardships that were meant to tear us down can actually only serve to make us stronger in our faith. As we learn to stand in what Jesus has for us, we will be taught, tried, and we will be tempted, and there will be testing, and we become tougher in that testing as we stand firm with Christ. Think of this. Many of the saints that have gone before us have endured years 
years of hardship and testing. Many of them held on to their faith in God with no sign other than God's initial voice, hey, I want you to do this. Think of Noah in the New Testament building an ark. This huge ark out in the middle of the desert where it's never really flooded to the place where this thing could even float. And you know what he did? He held on. Log by log, he kept building that ark until one day it was loaded with a bunch of animals and the water started to come down from heaven and flood the earth. And there he went on his way. Or I think of Moses. Moses who left Egypt and then God said, I want you to go back. And he did, and he endured all the ten plagues, and Pharaoh still wouldn't let God's people go until the tenth plague. And yet, as he let Moses go, God led them to the Red Sea, a roadblock. And what God did was there, or the Egyptian army came down and said, we have them pinned against the sea. And God said, no. And he opened up the Red Sea, and his people walked across it, and the Egyptians were swallowed up by this. I think of Rahab, who by faith hid the spies because she knew, hid the spies in her room in Jericho, she knew that God was better than anything Jericho had to offer. I think of Abraham and Jacob and Joseph and Ruth and David and Esther and Peter and James and John who endured so much for Jesus. I think of Paul as well. I think Paul, this super apostle where we get a lot of our letters in the New Testament. Paul, you know, he, he was killing Christians and then he had this dramatic conversion where scales fell like scales fell from his eyes and then and then as soon as we start reading it picks up and he's just this super apostle that travels the world it was actually 17 years from the time he became a christian to the time that we start reading about him in the new testament doing all these amazing things think about 17 years where god was refining him shaping him molding him more and more into his image and then i think of course i think of jesus who endured so much mockery in life God, who created the heavens and the earth, comes down to be with us, and he's not even given the right place. He's constantly questioned. He's constantly mocked. He's even to the point of death on a cross. And in his death was success. In his death was success. His his death brings the forgiveness for our sins. Amen? Amen. His death gives us His righteousness where we trade our filthy rags for His pure and spotless life. His death allows us to live clean before God. All of these are great heroes in our faith and none are bigger than Jesus, but we still look up to these men and women, don't we? We still look up to them. And yet, this is true for them. They have greatly afflicted me from my youth yet they have not prevailed against me. They walked with God. They endured much and they still held on to their faith through thick and through thin. This prayer is a prayer for patience. It's a prayer for holding on to our faith. We can call this all sorts of words, but we call it longevity. I actually like, sometimes I like the word long-suffering because it kind of speaks into um, what it means to walk one step at a time. Just long-suffering. There are times when our faith will absolutely feel blinded. Like, God, I can't see all this. I don't know what's going on. But you know what? I'm going to hold on to Jesus even though I can't see my way out of whatever this is. And we get to do that. 
God doesn't work on our timetables. Amen? He doesn't work on our timetables. We can't force him to make things go faster. But you know what we can do? We can trust him. We can take one step at a time. And we can trust him in that moment. And we can just keep walking. I find this amazing that these are the prayers of a traveler. This idea of just trusting God one step at a time are coming out so strong. And we can do it. We can stick with God. You know why? He's stuck with us. Even though we've been disobedient, even though we've rebelled, even though we've done things not perfectly, and yet Jesus, for the joy of us being with him for eternity, endured the cross. His pursuit of us and his love for us led to his death and his burial and his resurrection. And our faithfulness in following Jesus is nothing but a gift from him. Amen? It's grace. Our longevity, this is what I think. I, I firmly believe this. Our longevity with Jesus, our, our faithfulness with Jesus, the steps that we take in our day, daily lives will point to how faithful he is in ours. He shows us his faithfulness and in the faithfulness of others. And if we can hang on, if, if, they, if others can hang on to Christ during moments, then you know what? So can I. In God's presence and in His grace, our enemies, their words, their lies, their wounds, their hurts, all that they wanted to take and destroy from us will disappear in God's grace. So my prayer for us is that let us stick with God as He sticks with us. Let us continue in faithfulness no matter the opposition, and day by day, moment by moment, whether it's struggle or joy, we can trust Jesus in that. Amen? So Jesus, I thank you um, for the timing of this psalm. I thank you, Lord, for the grace to just still be here. God, I even think about all the people that I've been pastors with that have been so disillusioned and they've just disappeared even from ministry and gone into other things, and yet, Lord, you still have me standing here, and I am grateful for it. Lord, I know that many of us in this room have struggled with different things over different times, and you know what, Lord? We're still here. We've stuck with our faith. We've stuck with our, this life that you have for us. And God, we attribute it all to your grace, and we thank you for that. Lord, we pray that you will give us the long-suffering ability to just keep on hanging on, keep on following you, keep on walking with you and trusting you in the midst of it. In Jesus' name, amen.